0: Hello to all of you. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, and welcome to my podcast, which we're calling TMI, The Motivation Inside. I hope you all have been enjoying these uh, weekly podcasts. My goal is for them to serve as a tool to help you understand and process what you need to do to be successful. It is my goal in this podcast in general is to show you what it takes, what's expected to achieve success, uh, but also some of the ups and downs of success. Uh, I find a lot of people, particularly in my business career, they become successful and then they like to sanitize their origin and pretend that certain things didn't go badly and that everything sort of went well and they were the master of the story and they did everything right. But the truth of the matter is there's a lot of luck involved and there's a lot of serendipity and providence. I, I want these podcasts to have an impact, to be personal, to answer the questions you're thinking about Uh, or maybe even answer questions that you're not thinking about, but you should be thinking about. This is a place where I want people to ask us, email us, anything uh, right here. We'll give you a glimpse into not only who I am, but who some of my friends are, what our firm is like, uh, but all the blemishes too, not just the uh, sanitized versions of these stories. Uh, Achieving success takes a lot of hard work. It also includes a lot of soul searching. Uh, If you're not doing a job that you like, uh, make that job temporary, because let me tell you something, you spend a lot of time at work, so make sure you get it right. The goal here at TMI is also to entertain you, but I see my job a little differently, is to give you tools so you can find your passion to be motivated in your life. So please email me. We get great emails from all over the country. Please email me at podcasts at skybridgeinsights.com. Just a quick reminder, I'm the founder of SkyBridge Capital, but I'm also a Fox News and a Fox Business contributor. And we brought back the iconic show, which I co-host with Gary Kaminsky, Wall Street Week on the Fox Business Network, 8 p.m. on Friday night. And they replay it again on Saturday morning at 9 a.m. and Sunday again at 9 a.m. I've also written two books, A Little Book of Hedge Funds and Goodbye, Gordon Gecko. For all first-time listeners... I like to remind people that I still live two miles from my mom and dad, Uh, I've done this on purpose, my family is very close to me, I feel connected into them, and it's also a nice grounding wire for all the nonsense that goes on in our industry. It also reminds me of where I came from, something that is powerful in the terms of your success. I tell people, listen, you gotta know where you came from, but you also have to know where you're aspiring to, and so you have to act in a certain way once you get to certain stations in your life, uh, for me, uh, when I started running my first company, I was so used to taking orders and being subordinate to other people for a good part of my life, whether it was working in a key food or, or motorcycle shop or all these different places or at Goldman Sachs, that it was hard for me to give orders in the beginning and hard for me to direct traffic in my business. I felt self conscious about it, uh, a little intimidated and a little scared. Uh, So it takes a little while to get used to. Uh, Today, we talk about the lessons learned in remembering where we come from, and I want to introduce you to my oldest friend uh, from Port Washington, 15 Charles Street, out on Long Island. He's also the president of media sales at CBS, worked a long time with Oprah Winfrey, uh, Paul Tyler Montoya. Paul, there must have been something in the water growing up in Port Washington. We both of
1: us sort of figured it out, no? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Port was a great place to grow up, right? I mean, I've known you for 45, probably 45 years since elementary school. Main street school. So yeah. we met in the first grade then, no? First grade. And I remember the uh, sixth grade yearbook. You were the only one that actually had a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, so I see the of, picture. Yeah. I mean, the good news for me is I sort of reached puberty
0: early. The bad news for me is that I was taller than all of you bastards until like the eighth grade. And then you guys crushed me. Let's get right to it, okay? Uh, what do you remember from being a kid in that town?
1: Uh, being a kid in the town was, uh, it was interesting because you saw a lot of different diversity in Port Washington, which I think was a good thing. Uh, but there was certainly, uh, from an economic standpoint, there was huge extremes, right? There was, you know, um, there was poverty in Port Washington. Mm-hmm. And then there was kids that were getting driven to school in Excalibur cars with drivers, Yeah, you know, who we used to, you know, play in their house, you know, racquetball and things like that inside the house. Yeah. So um, I saw everything in between. Uh, I kind of grew up, as you know, um, not not all that much. I mean, we lived on top of grandma's house, five of us. My mom slept on a pull-out couch, and that's kind of how we grew up. But I didn't really... It didn't seem to me like I really lost out on much. You know, the food was there. Uh, It's not like we went on any fancy vacations or had fancy cars to drive or anything like that. But that was my life. Right. So just a a little bit of geography. This is sort of
0: important. So uh, the peninsula of Port Washington, uh, the center of that peninsula was predominantly middle class. There were some Mm -hmm. lower middle class pockets in that peninsula. Uh, There were some blue-collar working families. They were either working in the sand mine, like my dad started, Mm -hmm. or they were working in contracting somewhere. Uh, But at the end of Port Washington, on Manhasset Bay, and ultimately into Long Island Sound, uh, you had Sands Point, which uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote about in The Great Gatsby. Don't worry, old sport, don't worry. I can protect her here. He called that East Egg, and West Egg was Kings Point. So in Sands Point, you had the old Gatsby Mansion. They knocked that down, mm-hmm. Paul. I don't know if you were aware of that, I but am. they took yep. the whole thing down. But it was a 140-room mansion on Sloan's Point, mm-hmm. uh, which was absolutely beautiful. And, and Paul and I remember that house only because we used to water ski out in front of it. Sure. You know? We used to drive, drive my dad's boat over there. Spend the nights. Right. Yeah. we slept over on the boat. Yeah. We had that was another fiasco. We didn't leave the running lights on. So we had the Coast Guard banging on the boat. What the hell are you guys doing out here without the running lights on? OK, that was. Dumb. We knew what we were doing, though. <laughs> well, we had a, well, anyway, if my wife's listening to this, I don't know what we were doing. We're going to move right on from that. But 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 I want to go back to this. OK, your upbringing was. Middle class? How would you describe your?
1: Upbringing? Oh, it's uh, middle class. I would probably say a, a notch below middle class, right? a little bit notch below. middle Yeah, class. Yep. I mean, you know, you know, my mom worked uh, close to thirty years at Publishers Clearing House. She was a clerk there. Mm-hmm. My parents were divorced, as you know, when, when, uh, when I was like two years old. So my dad was upstate New York. I used to spend the summers with him. I remember that. So, but, you know, at the same time, I had a close feel of family because we grew up with my grandmother living downstairs with my grandfather. And the barn in the back was a converted house where my cousins and my aunt and uncle lived. So we had a great, like, you know, family feel. And I had cousins to play with. And as you know, on Charles Street, right across the street was Standard Brooks Park, which was like, just go out there and play Tarzan. It was you know, a great place yeah, to just
0: and, run around. And, and, and again, just some geography. There was Standard Book Park, and if you walk through the park and came out the back end of the park, there was my house on mm-hmm. Webster Avenue. And yes. So, so my dad basically built that house in 1962. It was a small little pond there. They filled it in, and they put up about a 12 or 1,300-square-foot house, uh, which uh, you know, we had five people living there. And, and by standards of that area, we were certainly in the middle class. Right. And and Paul used to tease me, tell me I was in the upper middle class, but now that he's got a little older, he realizes that I was in the middle
1: class. Yeah, but I think it's actually, you know, it's all relative in terms of how you grow up, right? So I kind of saw you with maybe more than I had, but then you may have seen other people with even more than you had. Yeah, no question. You know, so, and I think that was the kind of but the we diversity. we never really cared about that. Did you ever feel mm-hmm. like I you, did not. I mean, no? the only times I kind of felt weird was like if— uh, you know, the, the class trip was, you know, if you guys were going to Italy or Israel or wherever, it, it wasn't like I had even an opportunity to do that. I wasn't, right. well, you know, my parents... Just for the record, I didn't
0: go to Italy or
1: Israel. Right, but I, you remember. Any... You know, well, remember no, the class I remember trips? you had to put right. up money for the class trip. Exactly. I mean, and that wasn't even something that even though you, you would, want to do you, something <laughs> like that... You
0: and I were going to Bayside. We were taking the train to Bayside to eat at White Castle while those guys were on those class trips. Well, we were, you you were, hit- were actually eating there. You would basically take the burgers out of my hand and eat them. Oh, my God. He doesn't He wants to remember every little story. So so what Paul's referring to is I had some dough one day. We went to Burger King together. I ordered, like, 15 hamburgers, okay? He had no money on them, and he was being really stubborn back then, okay? So if his mom's listening, I used to call him Marianne, Mrs. Schlafer, because that was your name. And I know you used to, you know, go nuts on the two of us. So I was calling him Marianne in the Burger King because I was offering my food to him. No, 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 I'm okay. No, 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 I'm okay. Then we got back in my Camaro and he's digging up coins in the Camaro and he had a couple dollars on him and he said, okay, listen to me, I'm actually hungry. There was a Roy Rogers next to Roy the Rogers, Burger yeah. King. He said, let me go in there and get like a double R uh, bar, double R bar burger or something like that. So he had the coins. He had the money. He walked in to get the double R R bar burger. And when he came in to the car, he unraveled the p- the paper. And I reached over the car Smash seat. Smashed it of out tray of tray my freaking hand
1: <laughs> after I dug up sm- coins to afford S- a damn smashed, sandwich.
0: Smashed his head against the window. Grabbed the burger. After 15 burgers, I shoved the 16th burger into my mouth. Okay, and and he went home hungry. Is that the
1: story that you want to bring up? No, actually, I'm uh, disappointed I even mentioned it. (laughs) It still kind of (laughs) hurts. So so tell me about,
0: you know, Pride. Tell me about uh, your character. Talk a little bit about... uh, the things that you learned in your upbringing that you think may have helped you with your success or maybe hindered you with your success? What were some of the things about your upbringing that motivated you?
1: I mean, I think what motivated me was really seeing a a lot that was around me, right? I mean... um, I was the first one in my family and extended family too. Even the cousins on fifteen Charles, we don't want the college, right? So, you know, hanging around was really the people that you want to be around, right? I was hanging out with you and Todd, and you know, I can still remember the application uh, process for college. It was right. like everyone was doing it, and it was like I was like, I guess I got to do it. I mean, no one was pushing me at home. You know, there was no one to look to saying, you know, they went to college, a cousin or a brother or a sister. So it was kind of came within and being in that environment. I I was like yeah i I think we you know uh, i want to go on i want to i want to achieve better things i I always felt like there was something in me that was going to make me be successful i just always had that feeling growing up i never knew you're
0: you're packing a very big lesson in there let me see if i can restate it some of the success that you have in life is the people you hang out with absolutely and like you know i try to tell my kids look man Hang out with kids that do drugs, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to get infected. You're going to end up doing drugs. You want to hang out with kids that want to succeed and make something of their self, uh, guess what? You're going to be motivated by that. One what? of our coaches—you remember Danny Biro? I don't know if you remember Dan Biro, no. the football coach. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dan- Danny Biro once had a great line. uh based on soul recipes. He's now deceased, but he said, listen, you're the average— of the five people that you hang up with you're the, the you're the median or the mean of the five people and so hang mm-hmm. out with the right people that's one of the lessons
1: of growing up right. right and i also think it is in my character and it actually still is today is that you know i don't surround myself with tons of people you know i mean i think that actually the word friends i think is used too loosely you know i mean you're my you're my friend i consider you one of my best friends right but i don't say that about a lot of people right, right? so i right. think I I limited myself to what was around me, so the influences weren't so many. So I kind of stayed grounded, and that was kind of the path I stayed on.
0: Yeah, and I and I would I would even add to that. And I've also told my kids this. You know, you're gonna these kids in high school that you're trying to impress or you think you need to be cool in front of, Mm -hmm. you're not even gonna know who they are in five years. Okay, there'll be one or two people. The person. Todd, that he's referencing, uh, we'll have on a podcast as well. He's running Soul Cycle and Equinox Fitness now. He was one of our closest friends, and three I would,
1: musketeers. I mean, it was really the three of us in high school. That was we it, did everything the three
0: musketeers, it. and so we're still friends, right? Thirty-four years after graduating from that high school, we still hang out together. We don't have to see each other every day, but we can take the story and pick it up as if it was yesterday in terms of uh, our, our relationship. But you, you, you. You you reminded me of something about hanging out of my house and hanging out of my basement. Mm -hmm. Um, so, So tell us a little bit about your memory of what it was like in that little area that we all lived in. Ember's restaurant.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, it was salt on the pizza. Yeah, I remember. I mean, yeah, it was it was great food. I mean, I remember your mom. Your mom would keep us at the house. She didn't want us to go out and get in trouble, right? Right. So right. she'd right. say, "You guys, why don't you go order some pizzas?" And we go in your basement and we stay in your basement. My, my my favorite memory from your basement. I don't know if you remember this, but I'm sure you will is uh, me, you, and Todd were down in the basement, and it was like a rainy night, and we were watching The Exorcist. Oh, my and God. And you had that TV that if any it's sound, sneezed. like a sneeze yes. or a clap yes. or whatever, it would shut the TV off automatically. Yes. And here we are, like, 16 years old, we're eating Ember's Pizza, and one of us sneezed, and the whole basement went black. And we were flipped out. And down. we were scared shitless. <laughs> I mean, none of us moved, I think, for 10 minutes. All right. So this is, this is a
0: big deal for us, because I'm going to take you back... My father sprung for HBO and cablevision. At- oh and yeah. remember that that beige cord that came out of the TV, and you had to press the button. Yeah, and at that time, HBO, if you were living on Long Island, was number six mm-hmm. on the on the on the button presser. And you had R-rated movies. That was okay? the thing
1: about it. It, had, you shot, it. You saw skin. Yeah, exactly. It was like, it was wow, skin. it's been the it's Little boobies <laughs> yeah. and
0: things like that. And we were probably like 14 or 15 years I old. I still remember
1: watching Looking for Mr. Goodbar. Looking for <laughs> Mr. Goodbar with Diane Keaton. <laughs> yep.
0: We watched that in my my dad's basement. Yep. Uh, uh, young Frankenstein. But on that night, we were scared shitless of The Exorcist. There's no question about that. What's the craziest thing we did as kids? Do you
1: remember? Crazy. We, hmm. We don't think we did too many crazy you, things. You, I mean, I,
0: were you with me at Action Park when we went to the quarry and I jumped off the sixty foot uh, ledge? I don't remember that. Bruised both of my feet, and could nope. barely walk out of that thing. Nope. Okay, well, Ashley, that was the stupidest thing that I've ever done. I can't even believe I my
1: cousin Bobby talked me into that. How many brothers and sisters did you? Have? you have th- two brothers and a sister. Yeah, right. Well, you have uh, from from marriage one. Yep. All right, so Pop, who came uh, from Cuba at nineteen. Uh, I had my sister, Kim, Scott, Ralph, myself, and then I have a half-sister, Lexi, from his second marriage, and I have a half-sister, Marcy, from his third marriage. You know, Pop keeps active. He's 84 years old, and I have a 22-year-old sister.
0: Okay. Well, hey, look. God, so,
1: God bless. And you're taking
0: him back to Cuba. Is that right? Oh, yeah. We're going up, right? uh,
1: December 27th. Yeah. We're going with a group of, uh, I think it's 12 of us now. So it's going to be a great time. I mean, I... Uh, it's something i think is going to be really special for my dad i mean once we touch down there i think it's going to be a pretty emotional time yeah, no, actually awesome we're going to spend some time in havana but more importantly we are going to go fly across the island to santiago is yep. where he's from so I'm just hoping he can piece together a memory because he left at 19 to actually maybe even point to the house or the development or, like, really where he is, you know, where he grew up. And well, it's maybe, an awesome trip for you come back to, to, to make
0: it. for your father. And uh, I've been to Cuba a couple of times. Uh, it'll be a little sad for him to see mm. some elements of Cuba because the, the place has dilapidated. Mm. But the flip side of it is it's also like a time capsule of the past. And so there's certain areas there where you'll look at it and say, my God, this is exactly what it probably looked like.
1: Which is why, I mean know, we want to go back now because I do want to see. Get there, you know, in that, in that state, before, in that state, yeah, have, before yeah. it gets more developed, yeah.
0: What do you think has made you so successful? And so, I know you're going to be modest about some of this, but you've had phenomenal success in television sales. I remember when mm-hmm. you started at LBS Communications, yep. you worked your way over, uh, you worked at uh, Tribune. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I could give your whole career yeah. here, but now you're at CBS, which is part of King World, you were right. with
1: Oprah for many years, Paramount, Warner Brothers, yep, yeah. Well, so, I had a great run. I mean, I think I actually just—I—I I fell into a business that I really didn't even know existed, right? I mean, when I got out of uh, college, you know, I went down like everyone else to Wall Street because I had worked uh, the previous summer at a Citibank investment firm. Do, and- do you remember those lunches? So I was at
0: Hughes Hubbard and Reed, and you and I used to take one of the other guys to the Citibank subsidized. Yes, cafeteria. cafeteria. Remember, yeah, remember yeah, those yeah. lunches every day? Yeah, yeah. You, you were at Citibank. You hated every minute of oh, it. Oh, I hated it. I mean, oh, I my God. I, I I
1: like... So I ran away to San Diego to live with a college buddy for like right. four months on a all couch. Right, i got to
0: tell that story. So my buddy Paul was like, all right, man, I'm going into the film business. He had a couple of great—I'm absolutely convinced that your wife married you not because of the way you looked in real life, Mm-hmm. but because of the way you looked on that, like, cover shot that you took of yourself for your resume. You know, yeah, for, I
1: used that to much success. Yes,
0: yeah, so you were like Rico Suave on that thing, man. Right. All yeah. right, so so you go to San Diego, you're out there.
1: Yeah, I go on a couple auditions just to play around, and then uh, you figured out quickly just how difficult that business was, and it really, really wasn't a It Just came back home, and uh, Todd was working at a, a big agency in Manhattan, and right. he goes, you know, this business is advertising, and so, I just started my career there. I got into the uh, a sales planner's role at l b s and I really liked it. I was like, television, this is cool there's a whole business behind here and um, learned and worked hard to learn and absorb as much as I could and then it just took off from there. you know uh, I think it was just like the real deep interest in the business and learning the business that allowed me to succeed because Any- I was really into it hey, anything from our old neighborhood that you sort of took with you over the course of your life
0: as an adult. For me, and this is how I remember you, I always say work ethic.
1: Yeah. Okay,
0: you were fired up, man. Remember shoveling snow? Yeah. You I had mean, that was always different jobs. That was
1: always kind of uh, in me. Right? I right. mean, right. I. You were like we, mooch, were, we, we were like, we got to get out and start making some money. Well, yeah, mooch, we had mooch. What about the paper route? I mean, those mooch. were the best days when the snow came down hard. Right. We remember, were, those, we were remember up at 6.30, th- Shovels on our back. Right. And we'd go <laughs> all the way until, you know, your mom or my mom was, you know, going to make us chicken soup as right. a, for a break. Ring every doorbell and make money. Did Dig grow, out cars. Did you grow up with a sense of entitlement, Paul? No. Okay, see, that's a leading question. Okay, so how did you grow up? The world, what did the world owe you growing up? Absolutely nothing. I mean, growing up, it was just, uh, you know, you, you grew up and you try to make the best for you. I always wanted to do, I saw what was around me, and I always felt like I wanted things and to do better, and um, and I achieved that, you know? But it wasn't, it didn't just happen. I didn't feel like I was entitled. I can say I, I believe there's people in similar situations to how I grew up who believe they're entitled or that someone owes them something. Mm-hmm. But I think what you'll find is that, you know, no one really owes you anything, right? You owe it to yourself to go out and do what you want with your life.
0: Yeah, I, 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 hope, I hope for all you young people that are listening out there, this is a very resonating message, okay? Maybe your mom fed you with a silver spoon. Maybe you were told that you were great and all this sort of nonsense. But when you enter the workforce, nobody owes you absolutely anything. If anything, if they're paying you, guess what? You owe them something, okay? You owe them turning up at work properly. You owe them, if you're working in a corporate uh, atmosphere, to dial back the politics, dial up the productivity. You owe them a good attitude and a good conscience, okay? Don't be stealing the paper clips or the pencils, okay? I mean, why would would
1: you want to be any different, right? I mean, think
0: about it. Well, exactly, because I also... If they think about your mom and how hard your mom worked, why would you want to dishonor your mom? You know, right. I always say that to people here at Skybridge. I'm not dishonoring my mom and dad by doing something stupid with our business, right. and you better not, because right. my dad gave me my last name clean. You better not do anything to hurt my last exactly.
1: name. Exactly, which I, I, I think is important. It's an important lesson just for uh, success in general. I mean, I think that, you know, you know, being truthful, being honest, right? I mean, those are things that you could, the words you could just throw out, but they have really really big meeting in the in the world of business right? You sort of I, feel like we got that growing up, right? Yes, right? Yes. I mean, it got I mean, it from your grandmother. Got it from your grandmother. Got grandma. it from your mother. Right. mother and well, and people, the people again, I, I'm going am going back to people yeah, around you, you know. I mean, I I picked up things going over your house and seeing how your dad operated, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, again, yeah, you told
0: that to my dad. My dad never forgot you saying that on my dad's 75th birthday. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if you remember doing this, but you, you had a conversation when
1: you, you told my dad that he had a big impact on you. How did he have a big impact on you? I just saw the way that he operated, I mean, the way he treated me. I mean, every time I came over to your house, I felt like it, it wasn't like, you know, uh, this guy Paul is over. It was just like, it's like one of the family, Yeah, right? adopted son. Get right. over here. Let me make you a steak sandwich. Yeah. What are we eating? I mean, what are we he going? made, the, they made right. the most phenomenal sandwiches ever. Remember those He I mean, used to make sandwiches? those roast beef and steak sandwich with oh, the onions and the toasted bread that was just melting right. That's melt why I mouth. have an
0: eating disorder. But he used to hollow out the bread and butter it and then put it in the broiler. Right. Then he'd go out to the steak. He would grill the goddamn thing. And then he'd right. put it back with the cheese on it, right? right.
1: But, you know, here I here I am at, you know, 52 years old. And I can still even remember, like, I when we used to go to the movie theater. Right. We'd go to the movie and see a movie and your dad would pick everything up. It wasn't like I was able to take money out of my pocket. I was prepared. I had money yeah. on me. But that was just the dad. way that he was. And I got to tell you, to, to my kids, you know, they're 21 and, and 18. And uh, I treat, you know, I treated their friends the same way growing up. It was just like natural for me because that was something that I saw yeah. and it made an impact that I yeah. wanted to do well, for my kids. Too. My
0: dad was always, a, uh, he always said to us, you got to be a sport. You know, and, like, don't have short arms. You know, I watched this Geico commercial with the... Uh, the alligator. the alligator, <laughs> and he's at the Chinese restaurant. That's great. He can't reach for the check. My father would smack me, man, if I acted like an alligator in any situation. I'm always the first guy to lunch for the check. Right. And also, my dad was a big, big on tipping people. He was like, listen... This is a service-oriented person. You better be nice to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who knows what's going on in their life?
1: Give them a little extra money. Okay, Leave the table. It's going to be good karma for you. Certainly if if that individual is performing, right? I mean, I I always over-tip. If someone's going out of their way to do it, Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not so generous myself if if they're just doing the job. Yeah, no, right? I, mean I mean it more from, I mean it more, exactly, there's got
0: to be symmetry in life. Yeah. There's no reason to have asymmetrical relationships. I think it's a, another very important thing, uh, and I often talk about this with people, I'm a very loyal por- person, and if someone asked me to describe you, the thing I would say about you, the number one word is loyalty. Loyalty to your mom and dad, loyalty to your siblings, your loyalty to your family. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, it's that's one of the most
1: important things for me. But, you know, but, I mean.
0: but I think people get in trouble, Paul, is that they're super loyal, but then all of a sudden people are not super loyal to them, and there's an asymmetrical loop of the loyalty. Mm-hmm. And you have to sort of be careful about that because it's not like it's a quid pro quo or right. a linear transaction. I'm not saying it that way, uh, but you can't let people take advantage of you either. You have nope. to have a level of boundary about yourself where you're nice to people. And you want to be loyal to them, but you got to get something back. Otherwise, you got to drop them in a heartbeat. It's Absolutely, not worth it. you agree Abs- with that? Uh, 100 oh, well, percent. What were some of the jobs you had as a kid? I know you remember me working in the motorcycle shop with
1: my uncle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the pap- I paper out, so I had the president streets. You know, you right. know, South Washington, Jefferson. Yep. Um, you got me into it. I don't know if you remember that, but you you I don't know if you remember Mister
0: Fusco because you know I have like that weird memory. But you remember on Willowdale they had the little. Newsday sure. uh, location. You had to go in
1: there on Sundays and put the inserts in and all the flyers and everything. Right. remember that? You're the one that got me yeah. into that. Pick up okay. your papers. I, I,
0: picked up, I picked up the other side of uh, Charles Street and down into Locust mm-hmm. where John Morrow lived right. and, and the Morrow family. I had that whole
1: central drive uh, right. portion of the paper route because of you. Yeah, and you know what was important about that job, too, is because you remember how you go for collections, you pick up the money and you get the tips and everything like that? Yeah. And those are the people you went back to to shovel Right. Right? Exactly. So when the, when the snow came, you'd knock on the door. They knew right. you, you were. extra money. I, and you'd I, be working all year round.
0: I, I still owe <laughs> you for that because that was really my first sales job. Uh, and when I think about my life, I carry that job with me every day. I remember on Wednesdays, Mr. Fusco would say to me, hey, here's 10 extra papers. I would go to the Dolphin Green Apartments, which are still in sure. Fort Washington, down on Plandome Road, Main Street Extension, and I'd knock on doors down there, and then these... Uh, Irish or Italian ladies open the door. What do you want? I say, right. well, here I am. I got your free news day. But I'd knock the next day. I'd say, hey, you know, did you like the news day? Would you be interested in daily or Sunday? Right, Remember, right, that was right, our vernacular, right. right? Daily, the six right. days a week. Or did you want Sunday or daily and Sunday? right. Um, and, and I also remember you telling me not to go to Long Island Press, that you would get bigger tips from the Newsday clients than the Long Island Press. I don't remember <laughs> that, but I, I definitely did that as well. I probably remember the bigger tips. Um, you're, you're president now of CBS Media Sales. It's mm-hmm. a huge job, uh, and you came from, you know, let's face it, you came from a um, middle-class family, slightly right. lower middle-class family. Uh, you're one of the first people in your family to go to college. Mm-hmm. Okay, you oversee a uh, national advertising campaign for shows like Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, Dr. Phil, uh, the CSI franchise. Mm-hmm. Tell us how you got there.
1: Well, I mean, again, I, I think that it was really a, such an extreme interest in the business um, and and to learn and to grow and to build relationships. And it was an honest uh it was an honest liking for the business that I got into. Uh, I'm glad I found it. I, I, to this day, I can't imagine what else I'd rather be doing. Um, like I tell you, uh, we, you, know, you know, I tested Wall Street. That didn't work. Um, so but then I think the it was just a... What were the components of this business
0: that you love?
1: It's entertainment, obviously. Yeah, I think it's the entertainment. I think it's. I mean, Being It's part so, of that buzz. Yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm at a cocktail reception, you know, with people that are not in the business, or I'm at a wedding or wherever, and people around the table are asking what they do for a living, and all of a sudden I say I'm in television, automatically everyone says, "Oh, that sounds a cool, cool job," right? right. Yeah. Was, do you know Dr. Phil? Uh, do you know you know things like that? So it's that whole entertainment right. feel, the Hollywood feel um, that. That is something I really like. But you kept all the grounding, man. I mean, I got to pay
0: you a huge compliment. You kept all the grounding. So, 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 where's the grounding wire?
1: The grounding wire for me is probably probably fear. fear. You know, in a way, yeah. I mean, I man, I'm, I'm reaching across here.
0: I'm shaking your hand. You see, it's fear of poverty, my man. Yeah, I. Okay, uh, that's the same thing that I have. That's why I work like a maniac. Exactly, I know you have that in you. Exactly
1: too. the same. I mean,
0: so you, so you moved up to Westchester. Mm-hmm. I followed you up there to yeah.
1: Tarrytown okay yeah. you remember backing into my car I paid like $3,000 for my mom's car right I do remember that you're in your driveway See, and we're he's, going he's, out to get something to eat so and you're just not even so looking. everybody
0: out there knows he had a pre-call my producer says make sure I get the uh, Westchester story
1: so go ahead Paul so, so you put it in reverse you go didn't look because you're probably too busy talking and you're you rammed into my, uh, to my car today. You know, I paid $3,000 of hard-earned cash for. Okay, did I help pay for the, the collision? Well, I think insurance did, but no, I think uh, you, you would have helped.
0: I, I paid the deductible. Yeah. Don't start your BS right now. But I wouldn't got but the deductible but the money. The real
1: part of the story that, that's important is that the collision did happen, and I go back in time on how many damn accidents I saved your ass growing up as a kid in your damn Camaro. Because, I mean, this guy would drive with his head out the window, with his tight ghost motorcycle shirt on, with his gold chains, with music blasting on his power booster, and he would drive a car looking to see who was looking at him. Oh, my God. Cut! (laughs) Cut! Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) All right, look, let's just put it this way. Let's put it this way. I've never been a good driver. You can ask anybody that's ever been in the car with me. <laughs> you know, know that I'm not a good driver. I get a little distracted. But who had good hair back then, bro? Come on, man. Yeah, yeah. You still I have good hair. hair. Remember yeah, like you still have good Sound hair. Soundview hairstylist. You still. remember Hugo and Marcello blowing the hair and shit yeah, yeah, back before, to like Tony Monero days? Yeah, right? before the
1: school pictures. I get what,
0: it. What was it uh, that it took from your upbringing that you've tried to share with your kids? And how much of that ha- do they get, and how much of it do they not get?
1: Well, you know, I have, I have mixed thoughts on this. You know, I, uh, I hope my kids get it. Sometimes I step back, and I'm like, am I doing a little bit too much for them? You know, you got to give them some rope. they got to make some decisions. But, God, after, you know, 20 years and 18 years, if I haven't instilled, you know, the values and principles that I, I've wanted to at this point, um, I mean, there's going to be some figuring out they're going to have to do Tyler, but they're on the right path. I mean, T- Tyler, doing...
0: Tyler worked here last summer yeah. as a summer
1: associate. He did a great job here. What's he doing this summer? He's uh, uh, doing an internship uh, down in New Jersey at a law firm.
0: OK. Does he like asset management and money management? Or is he like unsure.
1: I think he's a kind of, uh, I mean, the kid likes to learn. That's it. He's already told me he wants to go on to law school, probably, or get okay. his MBA. So uh, I think he's still trying to figure out really where that interest lies right now. But um, I mean, I think if you ask him right now, he'd probably say, I want to be an agent. You know, a know, sports, sports agent age, sports or a movie age, agent. Or, I think agent. sports okay, probably focused, but that's right now. All right, good. Um,
0: you, you, you had a, uh, you had a huge impact on me too. No. Uh, we stayed out of trouble, more or less. Not that we didn't get in our share of trouble, because who doesn't when you're a teenager? Uh, but we were both directed.
1: Do you think you were going to be successful? I always felt like I, like I said, there was a, always a feeling in me that I was going to be able to achieve something yeah. good. You know why? I, I don't know why that feeling was in me. Right. Did I you, really don't. I did just always feel that felt... About, did you,
0: I always felt that about you. Did you feel that about me? Oh, uh, yeah, of course. You, for sure. You,
1: why? Oh, because you had all the tools, right? I mean, you had the ability, you know, at uh, 16 years old, uh, you know, carry a conversation on with the parents of wherever house we walked into. You were very open that way. Um, you know, you just had this this confidence, you know, that you still have today without blowing too much smoke but it's a gift right i mean i think the a, a parents job and the thing that i hope i've done for my kids is given them the gift of confidence right i mean i think that is so important in life if you if you if you don't have the confidence you know built in mm-hmm. i think you're you're limiting yourself but oh. if you're if you're filled if your bucket's filled with the, the knowing that you're a confident person i think you can get through anything so, i so think it's bef- a big gift
0: before i let you go what is some of the self-talk that you've had to have with yourself when you've been down, you know, where something didn't go the way you expected? Maybe a job you missed or maybe uh, you missed an account somewhere or you got kicked in the teeth in your career. Uh, you had to get your confidence built back up. And mm. so what, what was some of that self-talk?
1: I step back and I and I, and I I look about what, what I have and I look at the important things that I have. You know, I'm, I'm married 25 years in October. I got beautiful God children. I want to be a... Grandfather, by the way, in November, Nicole's pregnant. I didn't oh, know if I, told I you. had
0: no idea! Congratulations, right? announcing that on TMI. <laughs> this also stands for too much information, but not in this case. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, well, I think that's the biggest lesson for uh, our, our listeners is appreciation. And I said this last night at a dinner. I said I can tell right away if I'm going to get along with somebody if they're coming at life with a sense of appreciation for all of the things that the good Lord has given them. Uh, all the things that uh, just living here in the United States that we're so blessed to have. Mm-hmm. If they're coming at it from that appreciation, or they're coming at it grudgingly, or bitter, or this guy got the job and I didn't, or I'm better than that guy, I know right away when somebody says, "Well, I'm way smarter than that guy." I don't know how he's made more money than me. Uh, I'm trying to hold the vomit back in my mouth. You know, who right. cares? Exactly. Uh, I try to tell my kids: celebrate the successes of your friends, live life with a great appreciation. You're very, very blessed. Uh, and help the other guy. I think that's sure. a huge thing, and that's something that you did for me. I hope I did that to some extent for you. Just lift each other up, try to help each other.
1: I think those are the real lessons from the way we grew up. In, oh, in, so you've, been, you've been a huge influence on my life from the, from the beginning, really, right? And vice, and vice know, versa, so, and that's, uh, what, that's what good friends do right. do for
0: each other. So, so I, I want to thank my, uh, my oldest childhood friend, Paul Montoya. Uh, thank you for being a guest on TMI. Uh, thank you for not telling all of my listeners that you beat my ass in in the fifth grade, and we both got over it. So I want to not yeah. mention that.
1: Hey, yeah, uh, I mean, and I just want to say to you, I go, you know, I, I've listened to every one of your podcasts. And I really think that you found your calling because you have a really great face for radio. Oh, <laughs> well, you have a face with a Morse code and a hairline for a <laughs>
0: <laughs> for cat you have a hairline for carrier pigeon, just so you know. All right, but our but our but our listeners, uh they can't follow you on Twitter or Instagram because you're not a social media guy. Sign if you're not, not at all. So I can, really can't help you there. Uh but until next time on TMI, please follow me on Twitter at Scaramucci. Uh remember to email us at podcast at skybridgeinsights.com. And please subscribe to this podcast. Uh uh, TMI with me on iTunes. And, and, and don't forget to rate or review it so we can continue to bring you the content that matters most. And also, if you can, please share these podcasts with friends and co-workers who you think would enjoy listening. Until next week, have a prosperous week.